Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, you want to stay tuned for this entire podcast. We've got Matt Baker, the Tampa Bay Times, to talk some college football, particularly USF and its stadium. Also, how UCF essentially won the war on I-4, if you will, and are now headed to a big-time conference Why? while the Bulls are trying to build a stadium. We'll talk to Matt here in just a moment. Also, the Tampa Bay Rays begin a two-game series, a little quick one, with the Baltimore Orioles, a surprising team in the American League East. They come in five games behind the Rays, and so that should be an exciting time at Tropicana Field. So Matt Baker here in just a moment. First, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. This is important. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. There's a lot of these fly-by-night companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. It's what they call the May difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install for you, and they're going to customize it to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who's doing the job. Those are all Billy Mays guys up there on that roof pounding in those solar panels for you. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, always a treat. And I mean, this is an important podcast with Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. We're going to get into a lot of college football, but specifically... Uh, Matt has written a, a, a series, really, of stories, I think, uh, over the last several weeks about USF, um, its pursuit and now financing and acceptance of the financing of a $340 million stadium, um, and then also what that might mean in terms of their ability to be part of a conference realignment down the road. So we want to start. Matt, I, I haven't talked to you since. I'm telling you this story. I, I've referred to it several times. I've gone back and read it. Um, before the the stadium financing was approved, you wrote a story that I that I just liked a lot, and and you talked to some some people uh, that are experts in the financing of of these endeavors, um, and I, I have to read this one quote because this is the one that got me. And they're talking about you know the projections that USF had with respect to how they're going to pay for it, et cetera, and what it would actually cost. There's a uh, the College of Holy Cross economics professor Victor Matheson said to you, and I quote, I don't know if I'd call it economic malpractice, but it's pretty close to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> terrific quote. Uh, boy, had to get some attention over there, and they went ahead and financed it anyway. So what did you find out about what are some of the pauses when people look at this plan? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for, for having me on, Rick. It, I'm, I love talking about the stadium. I mean, I, 
I don't want to sound egotistical here, but you're underselling me a little bit because I've been dealing with this for 21 months now. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm absolutely fascinated. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, I'm absolutely fascinated by the this, this stadium search and everything with it. And, and right. so there, there's a couple wrinkles to this. First of all, just to recap the numbers, uh, $340 mm-hmm. million dollars is the plan. 200 yep. of that would be financed. So borrow over 20 years at probably 5.5% interest, which equates when you do add it all up, it's about $17.8 million a year is what they're going to have to pay down for debt. Um, so I, I just started asking a couple of sports economists, is that feasible? Like I don't look at what you can expect from a stadium in concession, right? That's not my mm-hmm. job. But there are people who do this for a living and do check sure. that. And I had them look over it and, and kind of look at the numbers and – some of them thought it would, some of the things, some of the numbers made some sense. It wasn't complete crazy talk. What, what kind of gets interesting is when you start really digging into the details. Cause again, we're talking basically an extra $18 million a year is what they would have to make from the stadium that again, 18 million more than what they're paying for it in terms of, you know, upkeep security, that sort of thing. Well, they made something along the lines of, 18 million dollars from football and during the past uh the past um uh year according to what they gave it's reported to the department of education so basically it's gonna have to double that for it to work Mm. is it possible yeah but not necessarily likely um you have to look at you know these type of projections. There's companies that do this. CSL is the acronym for the main one, and their their projections are almost always really really optimistic. Okay, well, why would that be? If I'm a consultant and I go around telling people that's a terrible idea, why would you do that? <laughs> I'm probably not going to be a consultant very long, right? <laughs> um, right. Just like I, you know, I don't think people at USF are going to build a statue of me. Uh, I understand that. I, I get it. Um, Another so another thing in this is kind of the attendance. USF has struggled with attendance over the years. So in order for this to work, they're going to have to have thirty one thousand is what was estimated. Could they get that? Yeah, it it can happen if the team gets really good and, and it's a nice stadium and all that stuff. But we also have to look at the context because USF, you know, just the way the college football landscape is working. Um, I expect the SEC to move to a nine-game conference schedule in 2025. Okay, so if there's nine conference games, there's only three non-con games. That's right. That means there's one fewer for an Alabama or Florida to play against USF. Um, the ACC has said has asked its teams don't play at group of five teams. So you look at like Louisville that's been been or going to go to USF and um, and you look at Florida State and you look at Miami and I think NC State has a series with with uh, the Bulls scheduled. Okay, are those less likely or not coming at all? Like, and those would be a, a bigger draw than uh, Bethune Cookman or South Carolina State or those guys. So that affects the attendance. And then kind of the final bucket that the the, um, academics talked about is all of the unknowns. Um, Mm -hmm. What if the turf doesn't work as well as you expected? So you have to replace the turf after two years. Um, There's there's a really interesting uh, kind of educational thing coming up. It's the enrollment cliff is what it's called with higher education. So basically, uh, around the time of the Great Recession, people started having fewer kids. Okay, makes sense. Money's tight. Can't afford a kid. So that was what, 2007? 
So those kids are about to be 18 years old and there's fewer of them, right? So, so there's going to be fewer college age students coming up in the next couple of years. So that's going to affect colleges. If that affects, affects attendance or enrollment, it affects what a stadium can make. All these type of things going into the same bucket of uncertainty. And look at concerts too. Concerts is something that USF has talked about as a, a way for the stadium. Okay, that's great. Um, I, I'm not sure how much of a need or a, a hole there is in the market for a, a, a venue between Ray J and, and Amelie, but let's assume that there is one. But there's also all sorts of contractual obligations, right? Certain um, uh, musicians might be tied to Live Nation slash Ticketmaster. Are they going to be able to accept a new venue? Like, There's all sorts of stuff that feeds into this. And when we're talking about, you know, it's one thing if you're talking about the uncertainty as you're making your monthly budget at home, right? It's another thing when you're talking about the biggest expense, biggest capital project in the history of, of a university at a time where interest rates are high, at a time where conference realignment is going on. And by the way, the, the, the conference schedule for the next few years for USF is not going to be very good. So there's just no. a tremendous amount of uncertainty involving all this stuff with the stadium. Now, that said, it's a really long way of saying it's going to happen, right? Like, the, you know, the, the board of trustees approved this, what was it, a week ago or so, um, approved the mm -hmm. initial plan. It's not a thousand percent officially official, you know, about a year from now, nine months from now, uh, USF is going to hear get the guaranteed maximum price, which is just what it sounds like. Okay, this is, no matter what happens, this is the maximum that you will pay for a 35,000 seat stadium that has X, Y, and Z. So once they get that, they'll have to approve it again. But I can't imagine that being stalled barring some sort of, you know, crazy scenario. So it's going to happen. The question is going to be, does this work long term? And are the faculty's concerns uh, justify that this is going to be a big expense that some way or another is going to bleed into the academic side? Yeah, and that should be their concern. I, I think of all the, you know, I read a bunch of these numbers that, that USF was putting out there in their feasibility study. One of them's jumped out at me, Matt, and that is that it assumes an average attendance of 31,130. Yep. Um, you note that they've only hit that figure six times over the last four years, and five came against the very opponents that they're probably not going to be able to schedule. So <laughs> winning has to play into this somewhere along the line, right? I mean, we have the, you know, they're not a power five team. They're going to be limited in terms of who they can play outside their own conference. Um, and North Texas State may or may not be a big draw. Probably not. So it, it, the, there's pressure, and there always is pressure, but this program needs – it's sort of a chicken and the egg, right? Like the stadium, hopefully we'll get to talk about conference realignment and what it might mean to them. But you're going to have to win on the field to get the interest of the people, whether no matter where you put that ball yard. Yeah, that's one of the other really interesting wrinkles to this is when it's happening in the history of USF. Because look, on, on July 1st, so what, a week and a half, UCF, mm -hmm. Houston, and Cincinnati are going to go to the Big 12. That's going to happen. Go. That's a thing. And yeah. so USF is being left behind in a, let's face it, it's a watered-down American Athletic Conference. Uh, sure. North Texas and Charlotte and FAU and, and Rice and those guys are, do not have the power of Cincinnati and Houston and UCF. Nope. So that's a major 
thing in this as well. I mean, the, the doomsday scenario, we can talk about the, the optimistic scenario too, but the, the gloom and doom scenario is that USF spends $340 million to build this thing, borrowing $200 million of it to be, let's face it, doomed to be relegated to a conference with Charlotte and Rice for the for a generation, right? And you could we can invent a scenario here that's not crazy where USF, you know, the boat left the station and USF's not getting on, right? Where we, we've talked about Super Leagues or Premier League or whatever you want to call it and college football where the Big Ten and SEC and then it's everybody else, like officially every them and everybody else, in which case USF might not get into it. Um, maybe there's a power three or a power four that USF can sneak into in some capacity, but maybe it's too late. Like that's not crazy talk. That's not um, UCF message board material. That's a realistic scenario. And that's the, obviously the worst case scenario for USF is you, you, you spend all this money and it doesn't work financially because it's too little too late. And nobody wants to go see Charlotte and Rice. I'm sorry for picking on Charlotte and Rice. Um, no, I, the, opti- the, the optimistic scenario, just to, to paint the other picture, is this is the missing piece, right? Um, you look at what was happening with some of the other schools. Uh, you know, the, the three from the American moving into the Big 12. Houston opened a new stadium. I think it was 2014. UCF opened the Bounce House in 2007. Cincinnati is still playing at, at Nippert, which is one of the oldest stadiums in the country. But they've done a tremendous amount of, of renovations and, and what have you. I think it's in the, the nine figures um, here in the last few years to kind of get modernize that and update that and expand that. So that's the best case scenario is you if you want to be in this picture, you have to spend, you have to build those facilities to attract recruits and then just everything else, you know, build a fan base, right? You know, you can draw a line to some degree from UCF opening the bounce house to the success that they had because it got people excited and USF hasn't had that. So maybe, you know, the best case scenario, this was the missing piece. Maybe it helps recruiting. Maybe the, you know, the um, operations center helps just the, again, just the operations, right? More efficient, less wasted time. All that stuff helps the field, helps the product in the field. They win more. You get more fans energetic, excited about the program. Then when conference realignment hits again, you know, the next version of Texas and OU um, move into the SEC, USF is relevant on the field. Maybe they're winning or playing very well in in a watered down conference. And they have the fan base excited too, to where the Bulls are an attractive candidate for the ACC, the Big 12, you know, want to dream big, the Big 10, um, whatever the case may be. So that's kind of the best case scenario that, that this is what has been missing. There's some other costs that that may be associated that might aren't part of the $340 million stadium, but like you're going to have to move some facilities towards that building. Right. And some other people are going to want to, you know, to be a part of that office space and, and, and you're going to, you know, practice was, you know, not necessarily, I mean, they they build an indoor practice facility, which turns out I'm certain they needed it, but that's $22 million. But aren't they going to have to have more infrastructure out that way in addition to the stadium? Yeah, so I think it's $26 million as some of this stuff going on on the east side of campus. And a lot of that's going to be kind of earmarked for towards stuff associated with this, right? Um, yeah. the, the other big expense is, I think it's $18 million 
because right now where the stadium is, is presumably going to be, uh, there's a bunch of recreation fields for intramurals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a, this is a university. They like to, you know, students like to be able to do that type of stuff. So they're going to move that over to kind of the research uh, area of campus. And that's going to cost, I believe it's $18 million. So those are some kind of related hidden fees, I guess you would call it that, that are yeah. relevant here. Um, and then again, yeah, um, USF people are one of the things that's been talked about over the last few months. Uh, what are the other uses for this, right? It's not, they don't want it to just be a football stadium, just be a women's lacrosse stadium. They want it to do other mm. things. We talked about concerts, but it's, mm. it's more than just that, right? Um, hospitality classes. Is there a way to incorporate that into the stadium? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jay Stroman, who's the head of the USF Foundation, was kind of the, the fundraising arm of the school, um, mentioned what about like a welcome center, right? So, the, you know, you're a 17 year old at Gaither High School or Miami Central, whatever it is, and you visit USF, you, you start your tour at this welcome center at this beautiful stadium, and then you go check out the engineering or the chemistry classes, you know, whatever it is. So like that would be space and they're in the process of trying to figure out all that stuff. Who needs what, what do we prioritize? What do we not prioritize? And then obviously how much does all of that cost? Because all of those things feed into the bottom line of the $340 million proposal that theoretically could go up or down depending. How much is this? uh, And it was a big story, this invitation to the association of American universities um, factor into their future consideration for being part of a, of, of a bigger conference. It matters. It absolutely matters. Um, the, the kind of criteria for realignment has changed. It's continued to evolve. You know, I, when I was at the Tulsa world in 09, 10, 11, that range, and the big 12 was about ready to implode. A lot of it was about, uh, TV markets, right? That was the big thing. You know, uh, Nebraska w- was a was a draw because of TV. Uh, Rutgers going to the Big Ten wasn't because Rutgers football is must watch. No, it's the New York market. So if, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, your you know, Rutgers is a big enough draw where all the the uh, cable houses in that how you know in that um, market need to have the Big Ten network. So the Big Ten is making all that money off of, of cable fees. Um, that's evolved over the years. Um, so it's not quite as important, but there are still things that matter. Location still matters, um, in in terms of time zones, markets matter some, uh, recruiting areas. That's something that, that matters. Um, academics certainly matters because again, we've got to remember who's making these decisions. It's not the football coach, right? (laughs) They they typically don't have much of a say. Um, it's not the basketball coach. The AD has some say, but not really. It's the presidents and chancellors of these universities, and and they, you know, some of them care more about engineering and med school and boring, boring, boring than whether somebody's going to win the Citrus Bowl or the Orange Bowl this year. Um, so th- that stuff matters. They want to rub elbows with people who are also at elite institutions, so that that just boosts their credibility. But it doesn't. You know, I, I've had some USF fans. Oh well, we're in the AAU. This means we're going to the Big Ten. Mm. Let's let's pump the brakes here. Uh, AAU membership matters. Uh, the only m- member of the Big Ten that isn't in the AAU, I believe, is Nebraska, and they were at the time they joined. Um, but it's academics isn't everything. Uh, Cal and Stanford, my understanding is they're pretty good academic institutions. 
more highly regarded than USF, no knock on the Bulls, but those are two premier, premier institutions from in the Pac-12. Well, those weren't the ones that the Big Ten took. They took USC and UCLA, again, two fine institutions as well. But if it were just market size, if it were just academics, Cal and Stanford are, are make as much sense as anybody else, but it's not. The football stuff matters. Basketball, baseball, softball, to a, to a lesser extent. Really, it's about football. Do you have a good product? Do you win? Do I want to watch your games, whether I'm in Tampa, Tulsa, Topeka, Tacoma, whatever it is? Do I want to watch your games because you're relevant? And USF on the field has not been. And until that changes... All that stuff is fine. The, the location and top 20 market and the zillion students and the AAU and preeminent university, all that stuff is great. But if you win four games over three years, it doesn't matter, Rick. Right, right. And that's, there's a couple things because there's a lot of, I'm sure, teams in, in this conference, some that are leaving. We'll talk about one in a minute in particular. But um, who are the conferences that are still looking to add uh teams and and of those like who would be usf's type competitors at this stage Down so we're rec- we're recording this at 9 25 p.m on june 19th so <laughs> let's put the let's, yeah well that's important um is, as we record is. this the pac-12 does not have a tv deal that has been announced um this has been going on for months and it matters because once it is settled then something is going to happen um, the, the best case scenario for the Pac-12, it's a good, solid TV deal in terms of money and in terms of being on actual TV and not streaming. So if that happens, everybody in the Pac-12 is happy for a few years or happy enough, then I think the Pac-12 expands. I think they add San Diego State. I think that's pretty much a lock at this point. And then probably SMU, maybe SMU. In theory, they could look at UNLV or Colorado State or Fresno State, but i tend to, to doubt it. So that's kind of the one part. If the um, if the Pac-12 deal is not good, either maybe all the games are on streaming or almost all are on streaming, or the money is not close to the Big 12 and what they're getting. Well, in that scenario, I think Colorado, you know, Colorado's been mostly committal to the Pac-12, but also maybe not. So I think Colorado and Arizona take a really hard look at the Big 12. The Big 12 has made it pretty clear that they want to expand westward. So that's one scenario in terms of who USS, USF would be fighting with. Um, maybe Fresno and, and Colorado State are attractive to the Big 12. You know, maybe Memphis is, is one that's come up a lot because they're doing a lot in terms of facilities upgrades. And let's face it, they've been more relevant than USF in football. Um, you know, Mike Norvell took into a Cotton Bowl. Um, so that's kind of that maybe Tulane somehow, but, um, UConn, I still don't understand that, but the big 12 may or may not have some interest in UConn, um, just for basketball and, you know, a different region of the country. Um, the ACC makes sense geographically, but the ACC is about survival at this point, Rick. Um, you know, they're the, the Florida States and Clemson's and Miami's don't want to be in the league particularly because of the money. So they're not going to mm-hmm. add more mouths to feed. It's it's about that league sticking together as long as <laughs> until somebody can figure a way to get out without paying a zillion dollars. Big Ten, I think if they were to expand, it'd be a Washington or Oregon. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think USF adds enough. And the SEC, 
I think they're good until they have a reason to change their mind. So that's kind of the, the landscape. But the other thing I would say in this is it's all fluid. It always is. If something happens to the point where Notre Dame, who, by the way, is going to have a new athletic director fairly soon. If Notre Dame looks at the landscape and says, mm, I don't know if this is going to work for us long term, then they decide to go to a league and everything changes. There's, yeah. I, I can't stress enough the, the way these dominoes work. Um, go back to, to 2017 or 2016 when the Big 12 was looking at expansion. They decided, no, we're good. There's nobody that adds anything for us. If at that point, OU and Texas said, you know what, this isn't working for us. We're going to go to the SEC. In 2016, 2017, USF would have had a really good shot, I think, about, at, at changing conferences. I think they could have ridden with, with UCF into the Big 12, and that would have made sense. Um, right. But that's not when the dominoes fell. The dominoes fell uh, to the point where uh, Texas know you are leaving next year. And as right. these conversations happened, USF was terrible to the point where they weren't attractive. So there's a whole lot of luck involved in this. It's not that you know, UCF and Houston and those guys did a really good job of building building up but they built up and got a lucky bounce if you will in terms of when the dominoes fell to to the point where okay we've hey we're here we've been doing this stuff we're good now we're relevant we have the facilities you're looking for somebody now we're in the picture hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And that, that gets me to uh, a story you're writing uh for Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times and at TampaBay.com. And if you could just preview it a little bit for us here. And that's the macro picture, right? Of I mean, listen, I remember you know, we talk a lot and have talked a lot about the war on I-4, right? And there was a time when USF looked at UCF as their little brother, that they didn't really have to play them, but oh, well, what the hell? They're cute. Bring them over here. We'll kick the crap out of them and send them back to Orlando. Well, guess what? Uh, he grew up, and now he's moving into a big-time conference. How did USF lose this? I mean, it became, at some point, a little bit of an arms race here, and if you were picking winners when it all began, you would probably – I would have chosen wrong. Um, how did they do it? How did they pull this off? Yeah, You're not the only one who would have chosen wrong. I mean, uh, I talked to some UCF people who were there in the you know 99 to – 2010 range and i mean i'm looking at a quote right now from steve orsini who is the athletic director at ucf for a bit they were ahead of us in everything is mm. the quote which is which is accurate mm. do you know how do you know how the series started rick do you know how usf and ucf got to play? no because i know there was a resistance to play them at all there was an extreme resistance to play them because you know steve orsini um was was telling me you know, i had to call over there we wanted to play and and they didn't want to and Frankly, I don't blame them. I'm paraphrasing here. But, uh, you know, Steve made some other calls and other people called him. And and one day he got a call from a politician up in Tallahassee that said, said, hey, uh, you might want to call your counterpart at USF now. That conversation is going to go a little bit differently. 
Hmm. So it literally took, I, I, again, I don't know all the details. Steve didn't get into them and you know, you know how it is, but somebody had to call somebody in Tallahassee to get a favor for these two teams to play. And by the way, USF oh. won the first four. Um, and then the game, mm-hmm. the series split and, you know, our, our newspaper compared the USF UCF rivalry to that of a hammer and a nail and the bug in a windshield, <laughs> but, it, but it flipped. And there's, there's a few reasons why I, I, save some of it for the story but the stadium is part of it um it yep. energized the, the fans it got people excited you know sure used really. to you know i've talked to people said you know used to walk around campus you wouldn't see any ucf shirts then the stadium happened and suddenly you're seeing a lot more knights gear uh, around mm-hmm. campus now the big buzzword in the industry is alignment the president the ad the football coach all have to be rowing in the same direction and then they have to get their nutritionists and their strength staff and the analyst in charge of third and mediums, everybody going in the same way. And it was pretty clear that happened at UCF. Um, I'll tell you just a quick story. Um, When Steve Orsini, he he hired George O'Leary, who had been a national coach of the year a couple of years ago. And first time they're, they're sitting down meeting together. Steve said, okay, what do we need, George? We're, you know, we're tied together here. My success is your success. What what, what do you need? And George reached into the uh, right hand desk drawer pulled out a, a notepad, single space, completely full. Okay, this is what we need. So oh. uh, so George's assistant made a copy of it. Okay, so then they're sitting down at the table. All right, uh, attendance, th- this one's on me. Uh, third and medium success, whatever, that one's on you. And they went through, this is me, this is the you, this is who's responsible. That's how much they were aligned. And they had a president who was pushing in the same direction too, That's which is cool. why... UCF opened the first indoor practice facility in the state. Not Florida, not Florida State, not Miami. UCF. Wow. They were that? ahead. Yeah, they were ahead in these things. And USF was not for whatever reason. You know, maybe it was money. They didn't want to spend it. Maybe it was they were focused on academics being a preeminent institution of, of education, which apparently matters at colleges. Um, so maybe it was that. Um, maybe it was a little bit of hubris. Maybe they grew too fast too soon, going from absolutely nothing to number two in the country um, in a major conference in just a few years. So, Or maybe it's some combination of all of the things, but but USF didn't invest, didn't put them, just, yeah, didn't invest. They weren't all rowing in the same direction. And in addition to the zillion on-field struggles um, that we could write a book about. So you kind of put all those things together in addition to the timing of when things broke and just some, some weird things along the way too. Right. Like um, somebody would mention this to me, uh, go back to the 2017 game, right? That was the thriller. Uh, one of the best games in state history. Yeah. UCF, mm-hmm. yeah, UCF one had the, had the big kick return late. There was a play in the second half. I think it was the fourth quarter where UCF throws an interception and uh, could have been kind of a, you know, you, the, the bulls were up by a score and then there's an interception. You know, things are, they got momentum, all that stuff. Um, but there was a defensive holding. It was a penalty, so the, it didn't count. UCF didn't score on the drive, but they won some field position. Defense forces a three and out. Score UCF scores, I think, four plays later. Takes the lead by a point. Suddenly the game changes, and obviously we know how it ends. If there's no defensive holding there, maybe yeah. USF wins. Maybe yeah. UCF doesn't celebrate that, that uh, alleged national championship. Maybe USF was going to the Peach Bowl to play Auburn. Like, and then who the heck knows what happened? So there's so many little things along the way 
that made a difference. You know, the, the state board of governors allowing each school to have its group of trustees. Like all these little things made a difference to the point where fortune shifted and it went in, in 15 years from USF is the hammer and UCF is the nail to the other way around. And what we saw at Ray J in November where there's uh, UCF Big 12 signs at Raymond James Stadium as they win their sixth in a row. It's a, it's a fascinating study. I can't wait to read it in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times and on Tampa Bay dot com how ucf won the war essentially uh for supremacy uh over usf which we had never thought that many years ago um i, I will let just get your 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 one thought comment about this the gators in at florida are taking over both in college baseball and it appears doing pretty well in football recruiting your thoughts yeah, Florida is kicking tail on recruiting. As we record this, I think they've had seven commits in the last 48 hours, something like that. that? Yeah. A, a bunch of them in the top 100 or top you know, blue chip recruits. Um, <laughs> it's funny because as we were getting on, uh, ready to record this, I saw that they had just gotten another top 100 guy out of Mississippi. Um, so mm-hmm. their, their class is third in the country and 247. I think if you look at the per player ranking, they're I think it's fourth behind Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State. This is what I, we expected from Billy Napier. This is what Florida fans expected. It's frankly what I expected. That's um, right. you know, yeah. Napier said this is a talent acquisition business. He had done a good job of that at Louisiana relative to their competition. He had shown uh, a, a, a bunch of talent and a bunch of ability to do that when he was an assistant at Bama. It, it's a year later than, than I would have expected. Um, but he's kicking tail on the recruiting trail and, and this is the type of stuff where if you do this again and again, then obviously you develop a quarterback and all that stuff too. But if you build a class like this, this is what gets you noticed. And this is what gets you into the realm of the, being able to compete with Georgia and Bama and those guys. So yeah, they're kicking tail on the recruiting trail trail. And it, just to close this about a year ago at this time, the mes- message boards were absolutely melting down about Florida football and, and recruiting. They had, remember they had a, uh, a kid from the Orlando area c- committed to Florida state on his way home from a recruiting visit to, <laughs> yeah. to Gainesville. And then mm-hmm. Jaden Rashada, you know, announced he was going to go to, to Miami and, Oh my God, this guy is falling fire. This guy who hasn't coached a game yet. Um, well, you know, there were some issues with the, the last recruiting class and obviously Jaden Rashada, that whole debacle, but as we sit here today, I still don't know about Billy as an on-field coach, but uh, I'm seeing it on the recruiting trail. This is a class that has a chance to be very special and a transformative class that if, if this continues, this is the point where we look back and say, all right, this couple days in June 2023 when he started getting a bunch of dudes, that's when it began. Give Billy Napier just a little bit of time and see what he can do. He's Matt Baker. You can read him in the Tampa Bay Times on tampabay.com. Great stuff as always. Unbelievable stuff on USF. And then, of course, uh, the story on Sunday um, between UCF and USF. How did the Central Florida Knights get ahead? Um, look forward to reading that, Matt. Thanks so much. I look forward to finishing it. Thanks, Rick. I'm fascinated by this stadium situation at USF. I know it's going to go up. I just, you know. I question because a lot of ADs have looked at this, its cost effectiveness in the past. And it would sure help if that football team could uh, can continue to improve and, and, and win when they get in there or before they get in there as well. All right, so uh, we've got tomorrow our mailbag segment. Um, we've got a lot of questions in already. 
so you can always send us mailbag questions. There's no timetable for this, but submit them if you want to to us online uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And then Thursday, very special guest returning to Sports Day Tampa Bay. It's a little like Taylor Swift, you know? Sometimes they do one show, sometimes two, sometimes three. Are the girls going to be screaming? I think so. And I think they'll probably know some of the lines, some of the lyrics, some of the words, some of the phrases that they've heard in the past. The oldies, but the goodies, you know? And he still can't see his TV from his kitchen. All right, so uh, we'll talk later in the week. Uh, exciting uh, shows for you planned. So make sure you keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay for Steve Burst and Cumberland Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>